Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Jargonaria Live, a viral marketing show with serious tips and a sense of fun. Normally we have a little preamble, we have some audio, but today I discovered that the audio file was corrupted, so I'm an improviser and we're just going to improvise. I should sing, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, welcome back. We've been off for a month. Hope you had a great holiday season. I'm Kathy Klotzkes, the founder of Keeping It Human, coming to you live from San Jose, California. We're nestled in the heart of beautiful Silicon Valley. It is beautiful today. And I'm hoping it's beautiful wherever you are as well. This show airs Thursdays at 3.30 p.m. Pacific. And we help marketers and executives and their teams tell their most important company, product, and customer stories to the world and do that in a jargon-free environment. As always, I love hearing from you. Thank you for sending me your thoughts on what you like, what you want more of. You can leave a comment on the blog. You can email me at kathy at keepingithuman.com. And again, we are Jargon Monoxide Poisoning Free Zone. At least we try. Today I'm really excited. We've got a great guest on. And uh, we're going to talk about turning your marketing tactics up to 11. A spinal tap 11. That's what we're going to do. We know content marketing is important for marketers. And there's no shortage of content, but I think there is a dearth of compelling content at the top of the funnel. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to talk about adding some personality, how to think about it, how to have your big rocks, other types of content. So I'm going to introduce our guest. He doesn't need an introduction, but he's going to get one anyway. Um, Jason Miller of LinkedIn, he's the author of Welcome to the Funnel. He leads global content and social initiatives for LinkedIn Marketing Solutions that help marketers understand how to use LinkedIn in order to achieve their marketing goals. Previously, he was the Senior Manager of Social Media Strategy at Marketo, and he spent 10 years at Sony developing marketing campaigns around the biggest names in music, and just left, I think, around the time MP3s were were coming out. He's also an award-winning concert photographer who loves 80s metal karaoke, and I can't fault him there. He loves me some of that. Jason's a speaker and frequent contributor to to blogs such as Content Marketing Institute, Social Media Examiner, Marketing Profs, and tons of others. And before I bring him on the line, I have to just congratulate him on two big things have happened uh, since I had him on the show last. He launched the book, Welcome to the Funnel, and they launched another very special product, which was a beautiful baby girl. So let's bring him on the line here. Hey, Jason, welcome to the show. Kathy, uh, thanks for that warm introduction. I got to cut down my bio, man. That's way too. That's way too much. <laughs> well, you know but what? No. It's exactly. It's like how do you sum up a person? And it was all this rich experience. All I can say is the man's a content marketing rock star. So maybe that's all you need in your bio. <laughs> I'm gonna work on shortening that. So yes, I'm. I'm. I'm uh, a little tired because we do have, as you mentioned, a seven-week-old baby who's. Uh, Who's keeping me up at night? But uh, other than that, full steam ahead, man. Yeah, no, I love it, and we're gonna. Well, hopefully, this will be fun for you. And I really appreciate you coming on the show because I know you've got so much going on in your life, and you do a lot of rock and roll concert photography, everybody. So he's got lots of things going on. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about your book, and you've always done this, and I think you're a great example, which is why I love talking to you, of adding your personality to what you do. And I think um, a lot of people talk about it. I think there's there's few bloggers, especially in B2B, that actually do it. And you really bring your love of rock and roll music and your love of photography, and you find a way through analogies and metaphors to bring that to life in your content. 
And I think that's a huge lesson for, for marketers and companies. And I'm I'm wondering if you can kind of say to our audience, give them a, a sense of how did that make you a better content marketer? Yeah, that's, it's interesting because that advice came to me from um, from Ann Hanley, and she told me mm-hmm. uh, the best probably the best advice I ever gotten in in my content career here is uh, to, if you can take your personality and inject it into your work, especially in the in the world of you know, B2B marketing, then you're going to really set yourself apart. Uh, but, I mean, I'll be honest with you, like when I started in the world of B2B marketing a few years ago, it was really boring. It was boring. It yeah. was just a bunch of, nobody was doing anything cool. I mean, not that I could see. And, you know, uh, Marketo is a very forward-thinking company, bleeding-edge marketing technology, and they were doing some cool stuff. And you know, um, John Miller, the co-founder, who I reported to, uh, no, no relation, he'll be the first to tell you that, not me. And um, <laughs> I mean, he literally, he came up to me and he goes, he, he was like, he said two things to me. He said, number one, you can do whatever the hell you want. He goes, you just have to tie it back to a metric, a metric that matters, right? Um, and so that gave me the uh, the ability to do a lot of trial and error, a lot of experiment, a lot of, like, to do what people said wouldn't work in the world of B2B marketing. I could do that as long as I could tie it back to something. And the second thing he said he said, but the most important metric is just to get people to like us. And I thought, yeah. well, how do, how do you measure that? So, I mean, that's another whole story. But, but I thought that was really cool. He gave me a lot of room to, to try new things. I just, I just kind of had a flashback from Almost Famous. It was like, just make us look cool, man, you know. Exactly. <laughs> that's kind of what it was like. Exactly. No, and it's so true because, I mean, I think it's really changed. I mean, you'd be just even in the last few years, I think you're seeing a lot more companies, which is really a breath of fresh air, really um, have a voice and a personality. And that's not something, I mean, there's a long way to go, but it feels like strides have been made because just even, you know, three, four years ago, I mean, it was it was it was pretty bad out there. And I, I love that you had told me earlier um, when we chatted, uh, um, I think, at um, – uh, at Funny Business, you had mentioned that, I think if I remember correctly, that it was John or maybe another boss that, you know, when you'd pitch an idea, um, if they weren't sure about it, but they kind of liked it, he would say, well, I don't hate the idea. <laughs> well, I don't hate it. <laughs> Which that's I think funny. I mean, that's really, means, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really what he would say. I would come and say, hey, man, I got this idea. It's, a, it's an infographic uh, called Kittens versus Bacon. And he'd be like, uh, I don't hate it, which means means full steam ahead. But you know what? I mean, yeah. I, take, taking yeah. the, my love for heavy metal and my personality, um, you know, and and I'll tell you what. What's interesting about that is I'm not really funny. I mean, I, I know that you, the way that you take your humor and incorporate it into your content. I mean, you do amazing work, amazing job with that. I love it. But I could never do that. So I would take my my love of heavy metal, which some people think is ridiculous, which is funny. And then and then just add it in and talk really fast and I think I think that came across as me being funny and I'm not I wasn't trying to be so I think you know I'm not I haven't mastered the humor code like like yourself but but I think my my ambition to never stop trying to be funny makes it a little bit funny I don't know yeah Maybe. yeah no and I think it's just genuine and I think sometimes being genuine um, that's the best kind of funny because you're not trying so hard I, I, at least I think and I think Peter McGraw will tell you the same thing it's you're not trying as hard I think you know you're just letting yourself be you and that's I think important which is a big lesson I think in the book um, I think the other thing that I I was intrigued by a lot of things so we won't get time to discuss today but one of the things I really liked is you made a point in the book about the difference between thought leadership and content marketing. Content and marketing. and maybe there's some overlap, but you, you talked about the fact, which I agree with, that thought leadership really should be provocative. You know, say something that, you know, if you're saying something that everybody already knows, you're, you're not changing any minds. But if you're saying something that 
maybe ruffles a few feathers, that's good. And content can just simply be entertaining and fun. It doesn't have to be controversial. It doesn't have to be provocative. Um, and and you, you sort of talked about how at Marketo, again, John Miller, um, you know, kind of described it. Can you talk a little bit for the audience about that difference in your mind? Yeah, um, yeah, John, seriously, I learned more at Marketo in two years than I did my entire life. John's one of the smartest marketers on the planet. Um, but He's got to pay they you built... royalties for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I'm, I'm supposed to have lunch with John in a couple of weeks, so uh, hopefully he'll listen to this. But, um, yeah, so Marketo, I mean, they built that company off the blog. I mean, that's. I think there was a stat. I mean, I can't remember the exact stat, but it was something crazy like, like uh, 70% of the, of the customers that, that first came into contact with Marketo and they could track this stuff all the way through the sale, first came into contact with them through a piece of content or through the blog. So, I mean, it just shows the power of, of John. John's thought leadership on that blog really built that company in the early days and got their word out, got the name out there. In a very competitive space, the conversation around B2B marketing is very crowded. Uh, and it's in the SEO world, it's incredibly competitive. You know, uh, I mean, Eloqua and, and HubSpot were our, our mortal enemies, if you will. So, um, but but having a unique angle, unique thought, and I think it's even more important today as as you're starting out. Um, if you don't know who you are, and, and, and let me just say this, don't confuse thought leadership with a thought leader, right? Because those are two very different things in my mind. Uh, there's, it's, it's, it's incredibly challenging to become a thought leader, an individual, because we, we all can't be Jay Bears and Ann Hanley's, right? But uh, collectively, your company can easily achieve thought leadership if you just take a unique angle, a unique approach. Uh, in the book, I break it down into three different um, three different types of thought leadership. The first is uh, industry type thought, industry thought leadership, where where you take a very unique angle, maybe a controversial controversial angle on industry news and trends, right? So, I mean, if I'm if I hear about a company getting acquired, uh, I'll probably go to TechCrunch. But if I want to get somebody in that space's unique um, opinion that I respect on that, on how that's going to change the industry, then there's a it's, it's game open game for a thought leader to step in there from a company or a corporation or a CEO or, or just you know content collectively around that. Second is um, is what I call uh, organizational thought leadership, which is you know Buffer just did something really interesting where they released uh, the salaries of their employees and how they calculate and, and compensate their employees. But, you know, it also got people talking. It's a play on, on cultural organizational thought leadership. Uh, and the second, um, and the third, I'm sorry, is, is product thought leadership. Just being able to talk about, uh, have an angle, a unique angle on, on how your product can transform uh, someone's business. Uh, but, but that, in a nutshell, is how I kind of break it down. Now, you don't have to do all three. There are certainly people doing a good job at all three of those. But pick one and excel it if you don't have uh, the bandwidth. No, and that's I think that's really great advice because it can seem like, especially when you're a small company, uh, it's resources, and it's easy for a big company to throw tons of resources at it. And I think that's a really smart way to just really think about optimizing your resources. Um, you you say something in the book that I really loved. You you called content marketing the ultimate anti-selfie, and I I love that. I just love that analogy. Um, and it's really finding where the conversations are and developing content around that, which is counter to what a lot of companies do, which is take what they're good at and what they are known for and trying to put that out into the market. So you're really, I, I just love the idea of just what are the conversations, what's percolating, and how can you drive and contribute to that conversation that's already happening? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if you know, Hugh McLeod wrote this uh, this book, that I, one of my all-time favorite books called uh, Ignore Everybody. It talks about standing out in this crowded space, and and he basically says, 
You know, you ask yourself a your question, do I, do I create this damn piece of content or not, right? There's no more question about whether or not your content's going to be successful. Is there a need? Is it solving a pain point? Your, your job as a content marketer is to answer, you know, the pain points and questions, the top questions of your customers and prospects, but answer it better than anyone else. Um, and so I think, you know, we tend to forget that we, that's what we're supposed to be doing as content marketers, and we want to write about, you know, I mean, Jesus, we were just talking about this a minute ago with a, with a coworker, the uh, the Super Bowl ads tomorrow, or the Super Bowl ads on Sunday. Like, how many people are waiting around to get their their dunk in the dark moment, right? Um, and and you know, how many people are going to jump on something and screw it up and say something offensive? And then and then is that really content marketing? They're going to get all these these they're going to get a billion retweets. But what the hell does that do? Does that make me want to eat more Oreos? No, not at all. Um, but how, how, you know, and that's that's they're they're trying to be these superstars in the content space. That's not what this is about. It's about solving problems, and it's about writing uh, a very helpful, informative, and, and it's mostly you know sometimes entertaining answer to their problems and building that relationship, building trust, getting people to like your company. Right? It's just that simple. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's such an important point because I, I think about that moment, and it was a really interesting moment um, that Oreo did, but it's one of those moments where you just you have to act on it quickly, and everybody else who tries to then jump on, it looks like an also ran. And it also just, it's not very, um, it, to your point, it's not authentic. It doesn't do anything to actually um, advance the conversation and make people really like your brand with everybody trying to then copy or reverse engineer, let's do what Oreo did. And I think sometimes I feel like content, as content marketers with with sort of live things, there, there's a crumb on the floor and everybody's chasing the crumb. And it's, <laughs> and it's like yeah. there's actually a lot of, food out there for everybody it's really finding what those conversations are um and and maybe looking in different places and i i think your your book makes a great point on that yeah and and the anti-selfie comment i mean that's you know it it truly is it's it's not about you your content should never be about you i i would hope that we understand that as as marketers now right i mean this is like you know four years ago when we were just tweeting out and broadcasting and, and all this crap it's like I like to think that we figured out that that this isn't about us. It's, it's the anti, the ultimate anti-selfie. I think people are figuring out, but the the interesting thing that I think is happening is that people they get it's not about them, but they're not really sure what the conversation is that they should be contributing to. And even sometimes when people do try to jump into a conversation, they get it's not about them. They will contribute with their what they want to contribute versus where the conversation is at, and recognizing that maybe the conversation really isn't has nothing to do with you know, anything that you're really selling, but let's jump into where the conversation's at and what that community cares about and figure out without any mind share for selling how we actually contribute to a larger conversation. I think still think com- some companies don't do that well. Some companies do it incredibly well. Um, and, and there's a whole lot of, you know, great companies out there that are figuring out, in, in, I think, in B2B and getting better at it. Um, and, and one of the things that I... I love in your uh, your book, and I know you and I talked about this before. You mentioned that really great example. Um, I think somebody asked you your favorite blog post. And you mentioned the Fred Wilson example, um, which is very funny because it's got everything in, in a short, tight space of of a blog post. And I, I would ask you, is there has there been anything since that blog post that's blown you away? And you go, you know what? I wish I had thought of that. You know, uh, I mean, the, the fake Grimlock post, that's funny because fake Grimlock, <laughs> fake Grimlock saw that. If you don't know who fake Grimlock is, he's a fake robot dinosaur from the Transformers uh, back in the 80s. And he's, but he's also a VC, he's a venture capitalist blogger, brilliant guy. 
but yeah. nobody knows his identity. It's really it's really quite fascinating. Anyway, Fake Grimlock saw that and tweeted to me, and he's going to do a, um, a blog post. He emailed me in character. It was really funny. He's going to do a blog post, a guest blog on the LinkedIn blog. In, in character. character so. In character. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody's, I've never told anybody this story. This is breaking news, right? So Fake okay. Grimlock owes me. Uh, and you should well, see thanks. his emails. I'm going to share his emails, too. It's really funny. Um, no, but, yeah, you know, I mean, again, I, I I have this list of blog posts I read every morning. But, um, you know, it, it's funny. I, I really uh, – I'm, I'm really obsessed with SEO right now. So I went through my social phase. I went through my content phase. I, I, I flirted a little bit with coding, and now I'm in this I'm – I'm obsessed with SEO. Uh, and so that's kind of my thing right now. So I, I read a lot of the stuff that goes out on Moz.com and – I think Rand Fishkin, even though even though I tweet to him, he doesn't tweet me back. <laughs> he, uh, I love what he does. I love what his team does. Uh, yeah. Um, so anything they write is usually like stuff that I bookmark and save as a resource. Uh, you know, and then there's the usual suspects. I mean, Compost. I think I usually find myself uh, sharing a bunch of stuff from Compost, and of course, Content Marketing Institute always does a good job. You know, Brian Solis. If I want to do something very forward thinking, but um, but again, I think. You know, I have my list of blogs I read every morning, and um, there's 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 no shortage of good content. There's a shortage of people who organize that into a way that they can benefit from it. I think. I think you're absolutely right. There's just, there's a lot of good stuff out there, and I find myself sometimes overwhelmed. And and sometimes the best stuff is really short, like you know Seth Godin stuff. It doesn't have to be long to just be provocative or, or something really compelling. And I can I can I be the first to say I want Fake Grimlock to be an influencer, and I want to read that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read. I want to read LinkedIn influencer as fake grimlock because I would read that and I think that would make me laugh and it would be smart stuff that would be funny and I, I'm going to be the first to sort of make my bid on that. <laughs> that that is really. I mean, it would be great. I, again, I I can't tell you how much I love his stuff and and uh, everything he does. And, and you know, it's interesting. There's an interview with him. Like uh, somebody did an in-person interview with him and he was in full costume at a Denny's and. It's just funny because he no really like I think on on the planet there are literally two people who know who this guy is. That's insane. That is hilarious. I love it. I just love it. Where do you where do you because I know there's so many different ideas and you have to collect a lot of different ideas and and I know you look to music and music analogies and and I think you're that it's fun to read like when you make an analogy with with um, Guns N' Roses and, and, and other things. And your book it does a really great example with the different quotes. But where do you look for inspiration on fun and new ideas? And, and how can companies, do you think, really uncover new ideas that are, are, hey, you know, that could work for the top of the funnel and just getting people to have fun, be entertained, and, and really understand who we are? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, it's, it's interesting because uh, the stuff, I mean, I worked in a record store for six years. It took me six years to get out of college. My wife makes fun of me about that all the time. Like, it's like Tommy Boy or something, right? But I made, I made it. I made it. Um, so I worked in a record store for six years. And you can imagine, like, I mean, people just coming in with the questions. It wasn't, it's no joke. They'd come in and they'd say, you know, this one guy came in and asked for Earl Smith. And it took us two hours to figure out he was looking for Aerosmith, right? I mean, it's like crazy stuff like that. So... All these songs, all these songs from Celine Dion to Barbara Streisand to Slayer to Megadeth, all these songs are in my head because that's all I did. You know, I barely made it through the the, the Mannheim Steamroller craze of of '98 or or um, you know the Zamfir craze of the Pan Flute in, in 2000. You know, 2000. It's like, so all this music and and every time I see something, it just it just sparks something in my head and, and I get this analogy. But I think that's how. 
that's how I like to explain things. That's how I remember things, like through analogies. But um, it's funny because the title of the book, <laughs> I was actually driving uh, to like Chipotle or something years ago. And um, first the Lionel Richie song came on, Hello, is it me you're looking for? And I thought, oh, hello, is it leads you're looking for? And so that's, that's when it came to like, oh, I could make some funny kind of song titles here. And then I was listening to Guns N' Roses and I thought, welcome to the funnel. We got leads and names. And I thought, yeah. that sounds ridiculous. But I like it, and uh, yeah, yeah and, and it just kind of stuck. But, I mean, I mean just just through you – know, every time I see an idea – I'm sure you do this as well is, is it, with your comedy background. Uh, every time you see something out in the wild or ear hustle somebody at a coffee shop, right, it's like you make a note, man. I mean, I use one – I used to use Evernote. I just switched to OneNote. Um, but I, t- I take a picture, I take a note, and, and I go back to it. I think people, I think people do this. But I think they forget mm-hmm. the very important step of going back to that idea. Yeah, that's a, such a great point. No, it's such a great point. And I think if you're looking at it through the lens of stuff that you love and you're passionate about, there's always a linkage. There's always a linkage. Like I went through a phase where I still am. I mean, I love HBO Silicon Valley. Love, 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 love that show. And the, the comics on that show, like T.J. Miller, they're, they're hilarious. And so I'm always finding links to stuff that I hear every day in Silicon Valley, like messaging and, you know, how people talk about their companies in the most, you know, jargon, horrific ways. And and so I got a, a number of blog posts out of that, and those were some of the most fun ones I did, and people had some of the most fun responding to. And and I think that um, just just looking at it through the lens of comedy and and through that as something that I'm interested in, I'm passionate about, and there's so much comedy in Silicon Valley, it just it just works. And I think part of what you're saying, it, it, you know, if I can if I can sort of put it out there for everybody is if you can kind of think about the things that you do every day, your passions, and how that might tie into something that's helpful to people. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and I, I can't tell you how many times I, I read something or just see something. I mean, again, I have my, my go-to, the usual suspects that I that I read a bunch of stuff from. But sometimes I'll see something I will literally sit in, in LinkedIn in my little marketing pile with my team. And I'll turn around and I'll say, that is, this is effing interesting. I was screaming out because I'm like, finally, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> finding something truly remarkably interesting sometimes is very difficult. <laughs> yeah, but it's all out there. It it is it it is and you're absolutely right about that. I I, I want to talk about the rock the big the rock strategy because you talk about that in your book and I think it's a really important one, which is anchoring your a lot of your ideas on on you can have smaller different bits and you can have different types of content and you talk about the you know the Thanksgiving turkey analogy and the food groups yeah. the logging food groups but this idea of a big rock which is Maybe once a quarter, as you do it, um, LinkedIn does it. it. There's something that you want to own the conversation in that space. You, you're putting out there, this is who we are, this is our big thing, and having a big rock strategy in your content and how important that is. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it, it goes, I mean, it's basically the concept of, of we don't need more content, we need more relevant content, right? So, yeah. um, and, and again, I think it's with these band, even with, I have a team of, of you know, four people here at LinkedIn that that we do all the content for LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. And I, I don't want us to focus on creating content just to create content, just to put something out, right? If we don't have something to say, we don't have something to say. But what we do focus on, we do really well with, and the same concept I brought over from Marketo is to focus on one big rock piece of content, one substantial stake-in-the-ground piece of content that will, that will be this kind of overarching theme uh, throughout the quarter, right? So as Doug Kessler 
from Velocity Group calls it like one home run per quarter, right? Do you really need 10 e-books a, a month? No. You need something substantial, and you need to do some research. Once you find, the, you know, do a little light keyword research, you find there's a need for it, you create it. Um, and, and there's this guy who came up to me at Content Marketing World who told me, uh, he goes, I really love the Sophisticated Marketers Guide, but there's too much value there. It's too big. I'm like, it's like 65 <laughs> pages. I'm like, what, what are you talking What marketer's ever downloaded a piece of content? And giving it back to you, and so there's too much value here, right? But he had, right. had this short-sighted, short-sighted view to where uh, I w- we were going to take that big rock and slice and dice it using the turkey analogy um, into 50 different assets, as you know, and use these as the little, little snackable. I, I hate that term, snackable. These little pieces. Yeah. Um, listen, I just, I don't have a better term. These little snackable pieces. Uh, <laughs> they're like these little tentacles out there, right? And they're going everywhere. They're going SlideShare. They're going Twitter. They're going LinkedIn. They're going LinkedIn groups. Their demand gen, their email, they're everywhere, and they're they're going to pull you in, and they're going to stay top of mind until you are ready to give us your info uh, and download the big rock, and then and then we got you. Then then maybe you're a sales qualified lead. If not, we'll drop you in a nurture track. But it's all about pulling them into the funnel uh, and staying top of mind and understanding who you're targeting and uh, making sure that you are creating the right piece of content. One piece, man. One piece. One home run per quarter. I love that. I love that idea from Doug Kessler, and, and I live by it. I think it's a great idea, and I think it's doable. And I think it's just figuring out what you, you're absolutely what are the conversations out there, and what's going to be a value to your audience. And, and yeah, and in the book, I mean, up, all my secrets are in that book, man. I mean, it's like it's like detailed every single little detail: who we use, how we did it, how you launch it, when you know when how to launch, when you know you've got a hit on your hands, when to kill it, when to take it to the desert and bury it. You know, uh, everything. It's all in there. And, and this, this is this is some philosophical approach, man. I mean, I've done everything in that book. Uh, on the front lines, the practitioner, this stuff works. Absolutely, and that's what I love about it is because I've read like the big coloring book for you know activity book from Marketo. I've read some of the LinkedIn stuff you've done, and I and I can see it, and I'm like, absolutely. There's a walk in the talk. So I'm not going to tell you there's too much value in your book. I'm not going to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Publishers will. They want. They want. You know. They want another one. They want a sequel. You know. But I think it's important because if it's the secret sauce and you keep it a secret, it does nobody any good. So I think that's awesome. Um, is there anything that you you tell people if you could give like one piece of advice? Because there's just so many things, and content can be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be. If you if you were going to advise a, a company, you know, what's one piece of advice just to make your content strategy better today? Like what's doable? You know, uh, it's a really great question, and I'm, I, I don't think people pay enough attention to that blog, right? Even if you can't, even if you don't have any resources whatsoever to create a big rock piece of content or an ebook or a video or anything, if you know, when I was first starting off at Marketo and nobody nobody knew who I was or did anything, uh, I would solve a problem if I would research the hell out of something if I couldn't figure out, and then I'd write about how I solved it and I put it on the blog. It was pure text with maybe an image. And but th- those things really took off. If you have a problem as a marketer, uh, and you solve that, and you write about it, and you make sure your title just answers the question, and you put it out there, uh, and you keep doing that, you're going to get a reputation as a person who can solve problems, a person who thinks through things, a person who who can move, uh, who, who can really move the needle when it comes to uh, advancing your marketing needs. So I mean, again, I market to marketers. But I'm also constantly judged by other marketers. But that's how I that's how I built my name, man. I just I just I I saw an opportunity. I figured out how to solve the problem. If I couldn't, I'd reach out and ask somebody if I could interview him for the Marketo blog. Yeah. Uh, and then I always just uh, keep growing and learning. I mean, that's that's the number one thing. If you if you stop learning, uh, you, you're gonna die a uh, slow death as a marketer. 
Absolutely. I think in, I think you're right, and I think in some ways you had the hardest audience on the planet because marketers, judging other marketers, I mean, the bar's pretty high. And so, so they're looking at through the lens of, hey, has he done these things and how do they work out? So I, I think being, that said, that the fact that you have done these things and you've learned from it, and when it doesn't work out, you've always been honest, hey, you know, here's what I tried. I think that's huge credibility, and I think you said solve problems, and that's the one thing that I, I always remind people. It's what problem are you solving, and, and whose problem is it your audience's issue? If you can find a way to help your audience solve problems, you're golden because people don't need more content. What they what they really need is problems solved. So I think I couldn't have said it better. I think that's that's a great way to to encapsulate it. Well, I, I agree completely. Again, it's 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 all about. It's all about just being, being, you know, a marketer. It's just be knowing your audience and solving that problem. I could not have said it better. Absolutely, Jason. It's a great book, and I can't believe it. We, we're we running out of time. So many more questions, but we'll, we'll have you back. I know where you are. <laughs> always a pleasure. Um, um, always a pleasure. Thank oh, you so much oh, for having me, Kathy. I'm such a fan great. of your work, and I appreciate you having me on. Oh, my gosh. Well, no. Likewise here, uh, Mutual Admiration Society. Thank you so much, Jason. Again, the book, everybody, is Welcome to the Funnel. It's a great book, and you can follow Jason on Twitter at JasonMillerCA, because there's other Jason Millers. You want this Jason Miller, at JasonMillerCA. Jason, thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. All right, everybody. Go get the book. Um, I hope you come back in the next couple of weeks. We've got uh, lots of people coming on the show. We'll have Brian Kramer. We are going to have Roger Dooley from BrainFluence. We're going to have some awesome guests like we do. Um, And we will um, see you in two weeks. Remember, I am keeping it human, Kathy Clote's guest. So, everybody, you keep it human out there, too. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.